Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line by embracing behavioral economics. And now, here are your hosts, world-renowned thought leader on customer experience, Colin Shaw, and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. As the manager, it's not as important to you, right? This is just one of many people that's under you. But you're failing to appreciate, to kind of take that person's perspective to appreciate what is important to them, what they value. I think great managers take this principle of knowing who their customer is and applying it to all facets of the job. So they know what upper management wants so that they can get them what they need. But they also know what their team wants so that they can get them what they need. It's a bit like reviews, isn't it? Because it's when your team turn around and say, genuinely turn around to people that, that you know, when they're at the water cooler and they go, well, what's Ryan like as a manager or what's Ryan like as a leader? But the point I was trying to make is I always remember uh, going to have a one-to-one with him to talk about my future and he didn't turn up. <laughs> That, Colin, was a metaphor. (laughs) So, Colin, we we end all of our podcasts by trying to focus things back around to what is practical. What can people actually do with whatever it is that we're talking about? Yep. I do this, too, in teaching sometimes. Uh, One of my favorite lectures when I teach is after I've, I've given my students enough introduction to marketing concepts, I then turn it around and say, all right, well, let's apply this to yourselves. How can you market yourselves in terms of getting a job, mastering a job interview? Excellent. We thought we would talk about that today. So out of all the stuff we've we've talked about for customer experience management and, and behavioral econ and all this stuff, how can you use this to get a better job, get ahead in your job? How do you market yourself? How do you improve your customer experience as a person? Yeah, no, excellent, excellent topic. I think it's um, very good because, and the way I've always likened this too, it's the only thing that you carry around with you is your reputation, basically. Yeah. And certainly in my corporate, when I was in corporate life and, and now, what people say about you probably when you're not there, to be totally honest with you. <laughs> that's actually the most important thing. And that, that for me is a bit like the brand. That's right. So when people say Colin Shaw, then what do they what do they think? Don't answer that right away. Just oh, tell I've, me. I've got a list. In fact, I started a website. <laughs> what we think of ColinShaw.com. Maybe don't visit that. Yeah. But uh, no, yeah. no. Well, we'll get some trolls on that. I'm sure. <laughs> what are some of the key principles then? Why don't we start with reputation as brand, right? So the lens that we'll be looking at this through is let's just apply some of the key insights to some of these same topics to you. So if we think of reputation, personal reputation as a brand, and I think that that's a smart way of thinking about it, yeah. then what do we know about brand management that would be applicable? The first bit of advice that I would give is that you should be strategic about this. So what is your personal brand? We, we advise clients on this. When you're thinking about your company's brand or your product's brand, You need to know, right? You need to have a positioning statement. You need to be very focused so that you know exactly what your brand stands for. Otherwise, it'll kind of mean anything. And I think that's good advice for you as a person. I think so. I think the key, the only downside of that is 
um, you have to make sure that, that another keyword you would use in brands and stuff like that is that you're authentic. Yes. There's no point in coming up with a strategy that says that I'm this type of person. I'm I'm wonderfully outwardly going and I'm, you know, blah, 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 blah. And you're not because that will soon get caught out and that will, you will soon get caught out and that will lead to people. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Hating you. You're welcome. Yeah. yeah. Well, not just that. You'll probably be sacked as well because people will be employing you for a job. You won't be very good at it. And then you'll get the sack. Simple as that. I mean, so if we think to our brand management principles, like how do you manage a brand around some core idea? Most of it is about consistency. Like, can you deliver on that brand promise over and over again? That's how memories gets, get formed. That's how people uh, evaluate things. So to your point, if, if you develop a completely false personal identity as this personal brand, there's no way you're going to be able to maintain it over time. When you get stressed out or busy, like the facade will fall off and it'll ruin this false brand that you've created. So yes, it has to be authentic. It has to be an aspect of the self, of, of yourself. I think I, I, I think I may have told this story in a previous podcast, but let me tell it again because I think it's really relevant at this point and, and pretty important. I always remember when I was talking to my team when I was back in corporate life and I spent most of my career in corporate life and there were some idiots that used to get promoted, yeah? And, and you look at them and you think to yourself, my goodness, you know, how in the hell did you get promoted, basically? And these people were really good at talking a good shop. And the analogy that I used to draw with the team was because they used to get very depressed. The analogy I used to draw with the team was that these are the people that sort of go out on stage in front of a load of people that really make decisions about how well your career goes and all the rest of it. And they can present a really good story. Uh, and everybody in the audience thinks, oh, these people are really good. You then have got a whole group of people that are behind the curtain doing all the hard work of setting up the stage and making sure all the props are in the right place and you know doing all that hard work and the danger is is they never step out in front of the curtain and they never tell anybody what a good job they're they're doing and equally that's just as bad yeah yeah, yeah. because eventually the person that's on the stage and not not doing any of the work he or she will get found out there's no question of that in my book. It may take some time, and I've got this one particular person in my mind that it took quite a lot of time before he got found out, but eventually they get found out. The problem is is there's probably more people that are behind the curtain doing a bloody good job that never get the a recognition. So for me, like with a brand, it's no good being the best brand in the world that nobody ever knows about. You've really got to get out there and you've got to market the brand. That doesn't mean to say you've got to get out and say to people, hey, I'm really good. Look at what I've done. It's got to be a bit more subtle than that. Um, but uh, I, 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 I certainly think that that's, uh, that's the case. I, I agree completely. I, we can think of this from one of the, the key principles that you and I keep coming back to when we talk about customer experience, which is knowing who the customer is and what they value, knowing what they want. I think people who are really good, these kind of idiots who get promoted, people who are really good at getting promoted despite not being good at their job, they've defined the customer 
as the people above them in the chain of command. Yeah, good point. People who are who are able to promote. And a lot of times they are, you know, to give them credit, they may be terrible at their jobs, but they're really good at knowing what the needs are of their customers as they've defined them, the people who are above them. And so they create these great impressions. You know, they're able to give them the information that they need just when they they need it. The people who work under them are miserable because they don't serve that audience at all. Sometimes their their actual customers or clients are miserable because they don't do a good job uh, doing their primary job. And normally these people are, are, are poor leaders. This one guy that I who shall remain nameless, but is pictured in my mind. I used to work for him, so he was my boss. And is now the Prime Minister of England. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, was that the big reveal? Therein lies the story. Did I reveal but, it too um, early? Sorry. <laughs> but the point I was trying to make is I always remember uh, going to have a one-to-one with him to talk about my future, and he didn't turn up. <laughs> <laughs> that, Colin, was a metaphor. <laughs> well, it did, it did make me think, hmm, how much am I valued yeah. here? Um, but um, yeah, but there you go. I thought that was a classic. That's pretty great. That's like a scene from a movie, like a dark office comedy. Yes, yes, yes. I, I, won't, I won't bore you with other war stories, but the important part there is that you've also got to be a good leader, actually. I mean, and, and maybe this is a bit like, it's a bit like reviews, isn't it? Because it's when your team turn around and say, genuinely turn around to people that, that you know, when they're at the water cooler and they go, well, what's Ryan like as a manager or what's Ryan like as a leader? You know, it's what, what they say then. Because if you're at the water cooler with this particular guy, <laughs> that type of story that I just told you was rife, basically. Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, that's such a tellable story, too, right? I mean, that's just like this beautiful encapsulation of everything you need to know about this manager. What not? Well, and and there's there's a thing about marketing yourself, okay? I'm a great believer that there's nothing new under the sun. Look at those people that do get on and go, what did they do? So just in the bit that you just mentioned there about them, i.e., they knew they were treating that audience as their customers. Well, you know what? They are. And that audience is a customer. And understanding what that audience wants is a key part of marketing yourself. And therefore, I guess the point I'm trying to make is you've got to put yourself in other people's shoes. You've got to not just look at what this, this person and go, this person's done this bad. You can learn from good things and you can learn from bad things, I guess is what I'm, I'm struggling to say. Well, the thing I learned was when you're having a, a chat about your team's future, always turn up for meetings. <laughs> That's a good takeaway. <laughs> People can write that down. Right. If you're, if you're meeting with your boss to talk about your future, that is very, very important to you. We talked about knowing who your audience is, knowing, knowing who your, your customer is and trying to serve those needs. As the manager, it's not as important to you, right? This is just one of many people that's under you, but you're failing to appreciate, kind of take that person's perspective to appreciate what is important to them and what they value. I think great managers take this principle of knowing who their customer is and applying it to all facets of their job. So they know what upper management wants so that they can get them what they need, but they also know what their team wants so that they can get them what they need. I mean, people who are really, really great leaders, I think, define different 
customer segments, if we want to put it in, in marketing terminology, and meet the needs of each of them. And to your earlier point about authenticity, another key kind of marketing concept that that I pull into this when I talk to about my students is differentiating yourself, right? So it's not enough to be great. You also need to be great and different in a way from other people. And going back to your earlier point about authenticity, there are lots of great ways to be great at your job and then also differentiated, right? There's there's kind of the this prototype of the, the tough but fair manager or leader. And then there's the very gregarious, outgoing, friendly. Like you don't have to break a mold with your own personality, but you do have to recognize what's important to the people around you, the both above you and below you. And can you meet their needs? Can you can you, you know, give them what they need? Hi, this is Colin Shaw. I'm really pleased to announce the launch of my seventh book, which I've called Happy Employees Make Happy Customers. The book is about the interconnection between happy employees and a great customer experience. I explain how you can go about building a great employee experience that drives a great customer experience. For my podcast listeners, I'm also pleased to provide you with a special offer of a third off the regular price. All you have to do is to go to beyondphilosophy.com backslash happy. That's beyondphilosophy.com backslash happy. And in the promotional code, simply type happy podcast. That's happy podcast. I really hope you enjoy the read. Yeah, and, I, and you know, I think a lot of people would recognize this clearly in your team, you're going to have different people that are motivated by different things and therefore have different needs and therefore be at different stages of development and therefore require different manager and leadership styles. The issue for me is a lot of people don't take that through to customers, i.e. there are different customers with different needs that need, you know, blah, 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 blah. They tend to treat customers as more of an amorphous mass rather than getting into and let's not get onto both of our hobby horses of a segmentation or the lack thereof people need to be able to segment down into um you know what does this these group of people mean need and those customers different customer groups if you think of those going back to the stage and you're sitting up and stand on the stage and you've got all this audience in front of you, again, it's not an amorphous mass of people. There are individual people there that require individual things that you've got to try to market yourself to. And I think the other thing, sorry, I'm getting on, I'm getting on a bit of a roll here. The the other thing I think is key is understanding the, the motivations, but not just understanding the motivations, but understanding the hidden motivations. And sometimes those are positive and sometimes those are negative. So I would point people to a podcast we did on company politics and just recognize that there will be people in the audience who are maybe your competitors or maybe who don't want to see you succeed. What is so a good question is what is their motivation here and how can you help achieve that motivation? So somebody in the audience may want you to be promoting their project. They may want you to be promoting them. They may just want to be loved or whatever it may be. Yeah, very good point. Building off of our discussion of branding, one thing that comes up a lot, especially in MBA school, sometimes people treat school as kind of a transition point for them in their careers, 
increasingly people have to switch careers at some point during their working life, in part because so many jobs didn't exist maybe when you started out and, and exist now. I think a lot of people who work in the customer experience space are career switchers at some level because customer experience hasn't been around that long as kind of a job description. So what advice can we give on career switching? From me, I view this as a rebranding exercise. So the question is, how do you take a brand that meant one thing and then transition it over to mean something else? And one mistake that uh, brand managers make is they, when you're trying to move a brand, they, they try to kind of position too hard on where the brand used to be instead of focusing on where they want the brand to go. If we want to change a memory structure, which I argue that's what rebranding is, it's changing memories in the minds of consumers, by reinforcing old information, you're just causing that to not change. You're causing it to, to stay the way it was. So my advice for rebranding and my advice for career switching is to just go, just go to the new place. Reframe all of your previous experience to be about the new thing that you want to go. If you were an engineer and you're moving into customer experience, then go back through all of your engineering experience and pick out those instances, those examples where you interfaced with the customer, you designed from a customer needs perspective, all of those things that can convince the person as opposed to apologizing for being an engineer and now wanting to do something new. Now, reframe everything so that it's this is always what you've been. I'm not sure if I've ever told you this, but a really good point. Let me tell you my my personal story behind this that sort of reiterates that. If I go back 30 years ago, I remember sitting thinking about where am I going to go? What am I, what, you know, what am I going to do for the future? And I remember sort of saying, okay, well, if I want to be a general manager or a CEO, by the very phrase general manager, or if you're a CEO, it means that you're not caught in one discipline. And in previous organizations that I've been in, um, they had this process of moving people around the organization to effectively help develop them. But when I was at BT, uh, they didn't have that. So I, I decided that I was going to put that in place myself. So I started off in sales and I used to basically give myself two or three years in every role. So I started off in sales and then I moved to marketing and then I moved to customer training and then I moved to customer service and then I moved to customer experience. And I did those things exactly for the reason that you're sort of articulating, which is to, A, rebrand myself, but but moreover to learn those different disciplines. Because if you're in a narrow structure of just marketing, then effectively you're limiting yourself to go, well, I can become CMO, but effectively that's all I can become. I would say this because I've, I've moved around, moving into each of those different disciplines. The interesting thing is it, it's, it's the same, but it's different. So the biggest thing I've learned, I learned when I was doing all those, all those different changes was people call things by different acronyms that make things sound complicated. Okay, so in marketing, they call things collateral. And you think, well, what's classical? And you go, oh, it's a brochure. Oh, okay, it's a brochure. I know what a brochure is. <laughs> You're never going to get promoted calling it a brochure, Colin. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do think, as you're saying, setting a direction, taking a step back and saying, where do I want to be in 10 years' time? And therefore, how do I market myself to get there in 10 years' time to be that brand, to be able to be the natural choice for that job? 
is key. And I would highly recommend you moving from different disciplines because that makes you a much rounder person in being able to to manage things for the for the future. Neither Colin nor I would ever advise someone on intentionally taking a job that they know that they would hate. But are you taking this long-term perspective? You know, I will I'll advise students sometimes who will say, oh, I definitely don't want a job like this. And I'll say, well, where do you want to get in 10, 15, 20 years? Because a lot of those jobs run through this job you've just decided you don't want to do right now. Is it worth stretching yourself or, or moving out of your comfort zone or taking uh, kind of a, a, a less flashy role right now if that sets you up for your longer term goals as opposed to going down a, a path of, of kind of short-term gain that that leaves you dead-ended at some point down the road well the other thing is that genuinely you actually may even and, and i had to take a hit on your salary if you're moving from sales which is bonused and everything else into training and marketing where they're not getting the bonuses then you actually have to take a to hit on uh, on salary as well but that's a that's you know that's if you are looking at looking at that from a short term perspective and maybe that's the difference partly Ryan actually thinking about it you know are you looking at your career from a short term perspective or are you looking at it from a more longer term perspective yeah yeah and and you know give it some thought a lot of times we we do kind of feel like we're bouncing from one place to another I, my brother works in human resources he's the people person of the family i'm the the cloistered academic who interacts with with human beings as little as possible. <laughs> I've always been impressed with him. Anytime I talked with him about his career, in that he like he saw the end from the beginning. He's he's made a, a series of very strategic moves for this resume building perspective. And from the outside, for me, not working in that field, it just all looks like human resources. And he's like, nope, I got this kind of experience here, and I got this kind of experience here, and here's where I'm going to go next, and then two steps from there, there, I'm going to, you know, take this other kind of role because for people who are within that field, they will appreciate kind of the, you know, the portfolio of experience that he has. He's building that brand for his audience, which is the the future managers that he's going to want to hire. Maybe we should ask a, a normal question. What's the, you know, the so what? What would you do? How do you practically go about this? Big perspective. Be sure that you're strategic about this. Define your goals. Know who your your target audiences are. Recognize that there are several audiences or, or stakeholders, if you want to use that terminology, that you have to please in order to be long-term successful in the roles that you're going to take on. I would also say, you know, we, we didn't talk about this a lot in the, the podcast itself, but Tactics are also very important. So I assume that since we're mostly not talking to to students on this podcast, people know this, but I hope you're preparing for interviews. I hope you're doing things like customizing your resume for each job type that you want, as opposed to creating a, a general one, keeping in mind that there's different audiences. Things like when you you know go into an interview, you know that they're going to ask about a certain set of skills, right? They're going to ask you about leadership. They're going to ask you about analytical skills. They're going to ask you about communication and management skills. Have you prepared for that? Like, do you have stories that you can tell that illustrate each of these skills? Because you know it's coming. You know, not everyone is as, as good as Colin is at, at 
you know, being able to pull out very entertaining stories. I have written down every story I ever tell on this podcast. Uh, I, I just, I'm reading off a script right now. <laughs> what you mean both, both of them? That's right. Yeah. Well, they were, you know, they took me a long time to polish up. <laughs> <laughs> Colin, have I told you about my axe collection? Yeah. Because I, oh, have you I? have <laughs> 72 but times. But each time you found it entertaining, didn't That's you? That's the problem with doing so many podcasts. <laughs> uh, yeah, the first time. Yeah, I'd agree. <laughs> Prepare for this stuff, you know, and, and and when you communicate it, tell people a story. Give them a little bit of context first, right? If you jump right in with, well, I have great leadership skills and I, you know, worked over 50 people, as opposed to picture it. It was a dark and stormy night in the third quarter of 2015, and we were not meeting our goals. And this is where you get your speaker out of your bag and you put it on with some dark and dusty music to get the mood. Set the scene. I hope you go in costume, you know. Are you wearing the trench coat? Like, No, but but set a scene. Give people a story. People will find that more entertaining. They'll remember it better. It'll just all work to your benefit. So prepare is my last bit of takeaway advice. Yeah, no, and that's a great bit of advice. And the stories is a great bit of advice as well, because stories speak volumes. Stories also tell the person it's something that you've done, uh, because one of the interview techniques, as I'm sure everyone will be aware, is, you know, tell me of a time that you last did this, and they're looking for you to give some evidence of, of that. Stories are are also good. I think the other piece of advice I would give is, identify your strengths and weaknesses and be honest about them okay everyone has weaknesses the classic question at the interview what's your strength what's your weaknesses and somebody says i don't have any weaknesses that for me says you don't know yourself because everybody does it the issue is is how do you deal with those weaknesses that that's more to to the point so you you've got to be authentic that's got to to shine through and you you've got to understand what your strengths and weaknesses are but the key piece for me is you've got to have a vision of where you're trying to get to so i know it's difficult and my kids hated it but when you turn around and go where do you want to be in 10 years time it absolutely should tie back to well what am i doing today then and what am I going to do tomorrow? Because that's the first step on the journey of getting you there in 10 years' time. And then use all the marketing techniques that you've uh, that you've acquired on how to do that. So I hope that's been of uh, use. Anything else from you, Ryan, before I tie this together? No, tie away. Okay. So thanks very much for everybody listening. Good luck in your interviews. Let us know how you'll be getting on. It would be fascinating to hear some stories. So just drop us a line if you if you wish on uh, contact at beyondphilosophy.com. That's contact at beyondphilosophy.com. And don't be a stranger. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. Bye. This has been the Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton. But it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast. And we'll talk with you next time on The Intuitive Customer.